Thank you for joining the York College Podcast. Today we are joined by Dr. Cheryl Couch. Welcome to the York College Podcast Series. Today I'm so excited to be with Dr. Cheryl Couch, Director of the Master of Education Program and E-Learning Specialist at York. Cheryl, how are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. So talk to us. What is an e-learning specialist? Um, that's a great question. To me, it is the e means online uh, learning specialist. I help the faculty with professional development and to basically be the best that they can be in the online world in education. And so I do everything from um, guiding them, helping them with questions that they may have about student performance to introducing new pedagogy into their lives and just really helping them be better and engage with students, so. And so you have an extensive teaching background. I so do. Talk, talk to us a little bit about your experience and, and why education and why York? Um, I was actually an accounting major. And once I realized that I would probably never use that degree, I switched to early, early childhood and elementary education. And mainly because I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And I wanted to be able to give my kids the best education that they could have. But through the years, it has helped not only personally with my own children and some of the learning issues that they've had and helped them soar, but I've been a daycare provider for a home daycare for nine years. I've been a parents as teachers coordinator with birth to uh, three-year-olds and helping parents understand parenting. I've been in public schools in Title I and kindergarten special ed. Um, and then I've been in private schools and I built first, second and third grades in private schools. So when I found my passion was when I was teaching a group of kindergartners, um, 19 boys and one girl. And at that point, I realized God was calling me into early childhood special ed. And that is truly was my passion and where I fit helping parents to understand children with special needs, helping the children to soar in those early years and make up ground um, that they needed to make up due to their disabilities. From there, I was told by a student teacher that I had from Wichita State that she just said, Cheryl, you need to be in higher ed. You need to be sharing your pedagogy and your strategies for teaching these kids to people who wanna be teachers. And I thought she was crazy. And then God gave me the opportunity to be an early childhood coordinator and to develop that program in a community college in Kansas. And I absolutely loved it. And then I went to a four-year college in Southwest Kansas, and I was able to build accreditation programs for that college and build a 
I, what I believe is an outstanding elementary education program um, that was both state uh, accredited and private school accredited. Because I really believe that you never know in life where the path may lead you. So you need both options. And so from there, I knew God was calling me to do something a little different. Once I graduated um, with my bachelor's degree in elementary and early childhood, I knew at that point what my teachers had invested in me personally. And, and then as I went through various teaching positions, it was very evident the difference that other teachers had in their education program versus what I got. And I had a dream from that point on to teach at a Church of Christ College and to be in the position I'm at today. And so I... Um, decided to apply for the job here and God made it very clear that this is my calling and this is my passion. And so when I accepted the job, the e-learning specialist really intimidated me. But honestly, that's part of it that I love is just helping faculty members help students soar and gain knowledge and become a lifelong learner. And so that's just, that's my passion. That's where I want to be. That's what I love doing. I, I, I think that is so great, you know, and we'll talk about your passion and how that passion resonates with faculties and students. I'm, I'm eager to hear about that, but talk to me about mentors growing up. It can be as early as when you were a child, all the way up. Who were some key mentors in your life that led you down your path? Um, my first mentor was probably uh, Mrs. Kilmore and my business classes in high school. And she took me under her wing and just molded and shaped and helped me love the business world. And a lot of what I do today, I'm able to do that piece of it because of what she instilled in me and how she just made me grow. And then when I got to the college level, Dr. Paulette Shrek was my advisor. She was the early childhood teacher and she was amazing. She, she taught me so much and gave me a love for early childhood. And she told me at that point in time that Cheryl, you must go into early childhood special ed, which terrified me. And it was 20 years later when I finally took that step. And that truly was my passion, which led me to my next mentor, which, who is uh, Dr. Mitchell from Wichita State. And she was the advisor and chair of early childhood special ed. And she just formed a love of that within me. And she grew my talents and my abilities within that arena. And then through the dissertation process, um, yeah, I found a new mentor and one that I, I am glad to call friend as well. 
and um, she she has just helped me through life, through the dissertation and everything else. And she has been a great mentor and friend and person that will be a lifelong friend. Well, I'll tell you, and, and when you look at what you're doing now at York, you take what you've learned, you know, the passion that you have, how have you carried those characteristics and, and, and what mentors taught you, how have you carried that over to online at York? Um, the online world is not for everyone, and I am very okay with that and very, I understand that concept that it is not for everyone. But what I like to do is I like to level the playing field. And that's a part of my special education background that I believe that everybody has their own personality, their own temperament, their own their own way that their brain learns. And so if we can take the strategies and the, the pedagogy that's so vital in the on-campus classroom, and we can somehow provide that in an online environment, that's the ultimate for me. Um, my dissertation was on, um, improving methods courses in elementary education. And I thought when I took this job, well, I'm not gonna be able to use that, but it's been amazing to me how much of it rolls right over into the online world and how we need to um, bring the online world into the what we do face to face and teaching those strategies, teaching those techniques, practicing them. Is it difficult? Yeah, it's difficult. Is it absolutely necessary? Yes. Now, do you work with faculty and students? What is your what is your day to day look like? Um, yes, I work with both. So right now I am teaching a research design and methodology class, which is a class that is at the end of their program in both the masters of organizational uh, leadership and the masters of education program. And so I'm teaching them research and I'm teaching them um, how to do a literature review and it's getting ready to, in the next eight weeks, become their action research project. And so most of them have no concept about research at, right now. And so I, I have been able to, because my brain does work differently, um, one of my dissertation chairs said, Cheryl, how in the world did you do this? And you did it, you did your dissertation at such a high level and with completeness. How did you do that? And I, I just wrote it out for them. And so those same strategies I'm putting into this, this class and helping them not, it's not an independent study. 
It is a weekly meeting with them that is recorded and shared. And it is emails from them. I don't understand this. It's closing that feedback loop of, you know what? You didn't do this quite right. It's not right in APA 7. Here's what it should look like instead of go figure it out. And so empowering them as a student to be a better learner and to be a better um, lifelong learner, but then also introducing my faculty to some of those ideas and some of the things that they struggle with in the teaching in the online environment. And so it, it's a mixture. I do a lot of what I would call administrative work because I do oversee the Masters of Education program. And we've got a lot of innovative things going on right now. But I want to ensure that my students are learning to the best of their ability and my faculty are soaring so that they can empower their students to be better. I'll tell you, I, I absolutely love everything you just said there. And so my next question is, you know, why, why, why is York different? You know, talk about online. Why is, why is online at York different? And I think you've highlighted several things already. You know, you've talked about, you know, personal touch, you know, lifelong learning, which I think is so critical, you know, because when we talk about we can talk about enrollment counselors, retention counselors in the process of moving students through the funnel, but it's also about lifelong coaches, yes. you know, and really having that personal touch for a student. And as you had mentioned, meet the students where they are and help them on a personal level. So, uh, you know, maybe you can expand on that a little bit more and what, you know, why is online so critical and why is it different at York? Um, York campus is different because we are unapologetically Christian. And we are open about our faith. And we want to, we believe in our faith. And we share that with our students and with our faculty. And so just being here, I started June 1 of this summer. And being here on campus, last week we had the presidential inauguration. And not only was it a charge and a calling for the president to be a Christian leader on this campus and in the online world for York, but it reaffirmed my calling here in a way that I really needed. And so um, it's like, wow, a lot of institutions are Christian in name only. And so, or, you know, we can talk about that, but we only talk about it at chapel. Um, but to be at an institution that encourages you to share your faith and to build faith in your students and your faculty has been amazing. And that has been a dream come true for me and why I chose York College. Um, so transferring that over into the online environment, we have um, online chapel. So just like you're sitting there in chapel with four or 500 students singing these amazing songs, listening to student speakers or faculty speakers, 
and you can be there in the online world and watch those daily chapels that may be 20 to 30 minutes max um, and get that encouragement. But on top of that, part of our online teaching and part of the expectations for faculty is to put spiritual components into your class. And I will say our curriculum's pretty secular, um, but to be able to reach out to a faculty member and say, hey, will you pray for me? Or, wow, I'm really struggling with this. Or, hey, I've got COVID. What can I do? How can you help me? Um, whether it's a student or a faculty, the first response is always, I will pray for you. And just to know that you have people that are praying for you and coming alongside you and wanting you to be successful with what life has dealt you. And one of the hardest things for faculty that I've found in the last even couple of weeks has been feeling like they're connected to the actual campus. So I've started, okay, I had one faculty member last week say, hey, can you give me 15 minutes a week? Can we just chat? It doesn't have to be anything about work. I just need to feel connected. And so we're trying to explore some of those ways that they can feel more connected to the actual campus because they're hungry for that environment as well. That's great. So how do you make students that are online, how do you make them feel connected? Um, I've listened to my faculty a lot of, since June and I've had um, Google Meet Hangouts with them and just said, hey, what works? What doesn't work? Um, what are you doing that students love? And so I've listened to that feedback and one of the most important things that they feel like helps students be connected, that it's not an independent study. It's not just me going and I have this computer shell that says you must read this and you must do this. And I have, I'm totally on my own, but they are doing weekly or bi-weekly hangouts with their students, just like if they were in class on campus and they are presenting content to them and they're answering their questions and they're guiding them and helping them. And so one of the things that I've empowered my faculty to do is, yeah, a student may submit an assignment. They may have totally not understood it. Let them give them feedback, let them go and redo it based on your feedback and, be, and maybe they redo it twice and then regrade it based on a new level of understanding. Because what I believe is when you allow a student to close that feedback loop, you empower them, not just for that assignment, but you're empowering them for every assignment beyond that. And so they're going to go, oh yeah, for a title page, this is what it looks like. I'm going to make that template for every single assignment from now on. You've empowered them 
instead of just accepting, well, it's not really right, but I'm just gonna let it pass. No, this is what it really looks like. Yeah. Well, and as you see students grow in their classes and move forward, how are you, how are you defining student success, right? Because there's education at York, they're taking online programs, but what's that next phase once they graduate? Um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how do you how do you define student success? I find I would define student success as becoming that lifelong learner that I tell my students all the time, whether it was a bachelor's degree in early childhood or elementary education or a master's degree in education. You know what? The education world is always changing. I do not want you to regurgitate information. I don't want you to memorize it and be able to take a test and pass a test. I wanna give you the tools that you will need for the field. I want you to be able to apply those tools in the field. So when you look at Bloom's taxonomy and the base of it is knowledge and the tip of it is where they are actually evaluating tools and, and concepts and strategies because they've applied it. That's what I define as success when we can move them up past the knowledge level, past the understanding level into the analysis and the evaluation process and understanding the why and how do you do continuous improvement and how do you do self-reflection, no matter what your job is, whether you're just trying to move up a pay scale, or you really truly want to be a better teacher and empower your students who are under you to be better students, or you wanna be a building leader. Um, whatever it is that you want to do in the education realm, you know, if you have these key abilities to be successful with your own learning and be comfortable with your own learning, you're successful. I'll tell you, I, I love hearing that because the jobs that we see today uh, may not be here in five or 10 years. Or, and there's going to be, yeah, and there's going to be jobs in the future that don't even exist today. So I love that idea of lifelong learning and being able to really you know, think and enjoy the learning process. Um, so here's a here's a fun question for you. So, you know, I, I, I see you're in your office, I believe. Are you on campus? I am on campus, yes. Okay, so if you looked at maybe a picture, memorabilia, an item in your office, what's your favorite item? What can you point to and go, gosh, I got a story about that and I love this? Um, I will grab it real fast. <laughs> have to take it off the wall, but I don't know. Can you see this? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> this is what I call 10 grand, grand blessings. And um, to come to York College, um, I had to leave five of them in Kansas. And five of them are in Minnesota with a sixth one on the way in Minnesota. So why I do what I do is because of the life journey that I've had 
in education and being a student in special education most of my life. I have severe dyslexia. And um, then I had two children, two of my three daughters have extreme dyslexia and helping them to soar and now these grandchildren to understand how God made their brain and to understand how they learn best. That's my deepest passion. And to uh, help them survive the educational world and to just absolutely love learning and know that no matter how those 10 different brains work, there's no right one and there's no wrong one. It's the way that God created it. And so it's our job as an educator to figure out how to work with their brains and help them to grow the most. It's not a one size fit all in education anymore. Oh, I, th I think that's, that, that's great. You know, and clearly you're passionate about what you do. And I think that is so impactful. And again, just in my own personal feelings, I think being able to share the passion and as you had mentioned, really listen and help teach students the way that they can learn best. You know, I think yeah. oftentimes um, it's easy to get caught up in checking the boxes and you get this grade and you move forward. But boy, it makes a huge difference when you have someone like yourself and your college that truly is thinking about coaching, mentoring, learning, passion, that it goes a long way. It really does. Yes. And what I've always told my education students is, honestly, I don't care how your brain works. I care how it doesn't work. Because when you get into a classroom of 20 some children, you're going to understand like-minded brains. You're not going to understand those brains that don't operate like yours. And so let's work on that and let's figure that piece out so that you have a better understanding of each other and being able to empower those students to soar to the next level. We all know it just takes one person in our life. And you had me talk about my mentors and I was so thankful to have many mentors at different levels of my education. But if we can empower educators to be there and help those struggling kids that need us the most be successful because they know their brain is different, but it's not a bad different. It's just different. And so if we teach them how their brain works and give them the tools and the skills they need to be successful with that brain, it's a win-win. They can do whatever they want in life. They can do those careers that aren't created yet. And they can be passionate and feel connected because we do have to have a purpose in our life. And we do have to have somebody who is willing to be there for us. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Whaley and, and Mr. Zero Westy, my first and fourth grade teachers. I mean, I, I, I remember them and I can picture them just like it was yesterday. So 
I, I definitely understand that that power of connection, that power of caring, it means such a great deal. Um, well, thank you so much, Cheryl. I mean, I know I'm, I mean, it, this is exciting. It's empowering. And, and again, your passion just shows through and it resonates. So well, thank, thank you so you. much for your time today. You are so welcome. Thank you for joining today's edition of the Your College Podcast. We look forward to you joining us again soon.